This call is being recorded. Hello and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest today, Dr. Taruni Lamberg, who is the author of Work Smarter, Not Harder. Dr. Lamberg, are you there? Yes, I am. Great. Good to have you on the show as our guest. It's my and, honor. And I will start with uh, a, a better, a more elaborate uh, opening for you. And if, if I may, I want to read a little bit. Dr. Lamberg is a world-class researcher, teacher, and author whose life's work proves students from any background can solve difficult mathematical problems when teachers give them the tools and opportunities to do so. A thought leader and highly esteemed professor, she created revolutionary learning strategies for teachers to develop and prepare young learners for careers in science, technology, engineering, mathematics. She's the principal investigator for Nevada's statewide mathematics project. project. Now, that's quite an introduction, I would say, and deserving as it seems. Are, are, you, are you all of this for real? Well, I try to make a difference. Hopefully <laughs> I do a little bit. <laughs> well, I started looking through uh, your, your textbook. There was a, uh, an outline of sorts of t t chapters and so forth on Amazon. And I began to look at each of the chapters and I thought, well, maybe we could talk about these. And then I thought for just a second and I wrote at the top of my page, I wrote, this book is a teacher's textbook. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty much. Um, well, what it is, is it's, it's about a way of teaching so that kids can learn. And it's kind of like a car engine and it takes all the pieces we had to think about to work together to really make a difference. So um, what I have, I've been doing this for now I'm like the last 20 years. And um, one of the things I learned was how, how I can go into classrooms and make a difference and what research is out there and teachers sometimes don't have access to that. So this framework is so simple. It's actually, came, it's, uh, reduced to like one and a half pages that teachers can use, and it actually changes the way they teach, and it also actually impacts how um, student student achievement and learning. In looking over your history, it um, was uh, somewhat startling when I read that when you were a 19-year-old and became a preschool teacher, you were even uh, recruiting and having groups of parents as great supporters and the kids were having fun for learning. And then comes the, the then comes the whammy. So you can, <laughs> so you can imagine your surprise when you were told not to stimulate kids minds so much. Yes. Uh, I was 
I was teaching preschool, and I was just having fun. My mother actually owned Montessori schools and, and had got this job in this preschool. That was my first job. Uh, the kids were excited. The parents were – I had great parents' support. And everything was going well, except one day I was called into the office and said, uh, you know, you're not renewing your contract. You're changing the philosophy of the school. And I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> I was really young. And they said, well, you're overstimulating the kids' minds and setting them up for failure. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I wasn't at that time trained. <laughs> and I was just, I had to remove the maps and alphabets and things like that off the off the walls. And I had to just stick to letting kids um just only play and and I did have them play and but the learning was part of the play so that 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 was my experience <laughs> well it's amazing how something like that can happen and you really have to wonder about the people that allowed that to happen and who actually says oh, okay I'm fine I'll I'll press the button and then you know it's just I don't know it's just I'm speechless over over reading that, uh, but I guess you find very differing instances of that type of thing occurring all the time. Well, I think what happens is when people just do things because this is the way we always done it before, and they forget about what's the larger purpose as to what we why we're doing what we're doing, and so like um, in. Um, it became my mission to go. I mean, I was so distraught by that because I'm, I, I, I was really young and I was wondering, am I really hurting kids by stimulating their minds? And so I ended up going for my master's degree and getting certified as a teacher. And then when I'm reading all the research, it's like this is what you should be doing. Um, matter of fact, right now I'm trying to put a uh, kind of another grant together that builds on my Nevada math project is one of the things as I'm doing research, it says that you need people and workforce that can think creatively and think outside the box. Mm -hmm. However, in schools, we just kind of teach in-the-box thinking. And so we're trying to figure out how do we, you know, even in a teaching environment or work environment, how do we develop kids and teachers who can support kids to develop thinkers? Well, uh, it's disappointing when viewpoints that, I guess I call it shallow, uh, rule the day. And and that's when you move on and, and make a better world. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I think, um, because I'm a math math education professor uh, when people meet me they go I'm sorry I wasn't very good at math and it's just like it's almost funny because nobody apologizes for anything else but it's it's that people lack the confidence to think that they can learn something or maybe the way they were taught they they believed it that they couldn't do it and so one of the things uh, is to think about is how how can I learn? How can I be a thinker? And one of the biggest things is thinking about making connections. Your brain learns by making connections. So I think it is sad um, when people don't encourage students and people to to have 
think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I uh, was looking at the one of the chapters uh-huh. uh, in the book, and you could probably shed some light on this for our, our listening audience. The the whole class discussion framework. Uh-huh. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. This is what, if, you've, if you're a teacher or even like when you're thinking about learning in general, is thinking about how people learn. And this framework is so simple for teachers that um, I, uh, they can go into the Nevada Math Project website or mathdiscussions.wordpress.com and download like a, a actual Word document. It uh, sets it up, everything you need to know for into one and a half pages. So teachers go, yes, I can do this. So the parts of these that have to work together is when you think about learning and thinking, how do you set up an environment so that learning can happen? And one of them is setting up the physical space, like um, when kids can talk to each other or even when adults can talk to each other. I teach college classes. They are able to kind of reflect on their thinking. So you want spaces where um, people can sit and see what's going on in the board or have a discussion. The other part that uh, in classrooms, uh, actually I did a postdoc at Vanderbilt University, and I spent three wonderful years traveling across the country, and I spent time in classrooms. One of the things uh, that, that I saw was it varied from classroom to classroom. But some things you absolutely need to have is routines, like getting ready to uh, discuss something. You need to have time to think about it. You need to have routines um, for getting ready. You need to have write it down somewhere. Uh, you need to be able to uh, share it with each other and discuss it. The other part of the uh, classroom routines is learning how to listen. You um, a lot of times kids and even adults in a meeting or something don't listen. So kind of setting that expectation, what does listening look like, and also communicating so that this is a safe space to say, here's my thinking about a math problem. It could be even anything else beyond a math problem, but learning to communicate that and having a safe place to share their thinking so that Creating that classroom culture, or um, I actually wrote a book called um, "Conducting Productive Meetings," um, and because part of my mission is to try to make a difference and and change that, I realized I can't just only focus on math. I need to also focus on um, working with districts and other teams of researchers. So, so this routines for communication goes into even if you're conducting meetings. The other part is lesson planning. A lot of times teachers might just pick up the book and then they just go, I'm on page 19 today and then tomorrow I'm going to go to page 20. Is thinking about how do I, what do my students need to know? So like thinking long-term, short-term, and immediate, and then adapting that to where the kid is at. So I always tell my students, you got standardized kids, you got standardized um I mean, sorry, you got standardized curriculum and standards, but not standardized kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lesson planning is another part. So you got 
routines, like setting up the physical place, space, lesson planning. And this is a, uh, the other one is helping uh, connections. So I have a technique called three levels of sense making. It can work in the classroom or even in the boardroom when you think about it. If you are trying to have a meeting or even with, in a classroom, in uh, trying to get kids to understand something new, you might want to start out with a problem, having kids all like like in a work situation or something, having people think about it and share their thinking. Uh, you don't get everybody in the room to share because you just don't have time. You might kind of walk around and think what are the different ways they're thinking. And I actually did this. I had 100 teachers bring in uh, student work, and I said, put it into piles of what are similar and it was between two to five. And if you have two to five different ways of thinking, you can put them up and talk about them. Uh, usually it's about even about three three different ways, three or four different ways. So the first level is kind of getting your ideas out there uh, and sharing them publicly. The second level, actually this hits a lot of standards, is analyzing. So how is this way of thinking similar and different to the other? So by comparing each other's solutions, you're actually um, going deeper as to why why the strategy worked or what's really going on. And this is the third level that a lot of people don't get to, whether it's in the classroom or, like as I said, in the boardroom or a meeting. Is So what is it? Where are we now? What is the big idea that emerged from solving this math problem or emerged in solving this problem applying to real life, what is it from here? And it's really important to write that down and go, are we on the same page and then use that for next information? So so that's the framework. Setting up the classroom, cultivating routines, planning lessons, and then uh, having a discussion. Well, I can capsulize, capsulize I should say, all of that. <laughs> By by saying you got to have a plan, Stan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> even even football has a playbook. Even basketball <laughs> has a playbook. Probably the same with hockey. I don't know about baseball. It, absolutely, and then you just need to know where you're going with it. Mm -hmm. So, what are you trying to accomplish? Because a lot of times, uh, with whatever you're doing, if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish, then all the other stuff you're doing are just activities. So so really thinking about what are your goals? What do I want my kids to learn? Or um, outside of learning, you know, whether you're having a meeting or a project, what do we want to accomplish? Why? What should that look like? That's really important. Exactly. I have a review here I'd like to, to share with uh, our listeners. Uh, visiting classrooms with Dr. Lamberg gave me the opportunity to observe her research implemented in the classrooms. The framework is simple in structure, but deeply rooted in student learning. It allows students the opportunity to connect ideas, therefore increasing their depth of mathematical thinking. I, I like this one. It's, it's to the point and it's not half a page. <laughs> well, well, ultimately, it's it's everything you do needs to like in, in math education needs to kind of go into learning and whatever I do in my work, I really wanted to make a difference. 
And I know, and I noticed you had written a book yourself. <laughs> uh, yes, I have. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? My book. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Everything. You yeah, know. it's it's <laughs> called uh, um, "Embracing the Abyss," and uh, it's a uh, it's a true story of um, being. Looking for my blurb now. And take <laughs> and put it somewhere else. I, I put I put you in the put you in the spot here. That's okay. <laughs> um, it was it was unintentional. My behavior. It was that that I didn't believe was even happening, and it resulted in a. Um, a presidential pardon wow. for me and for um, a spiritual awakening. I learned a lot about uh, spirituality uh, in just in that era, that time. And it was um, quite tr intriguing. It's a, it's a good read. It only takes four or five hours, I think, uh, 200 words. Why? I'm definitely going to read that this weekend. Well, it's called, it's called, the title is Embracing the Abyss. I love and, that title. Well, thank you. Um, people ask me, what's, what's an abyss? And I, I took it from a movie uh, called Wall Street, the Wall Street, uh, the first uh -huh. Wall Street that had, um, uh, gosh, who were the actors in that? Uh, uh, Charlie, uh -huh. Charlie, Charlie Sheen, Hal Holbrook, um, and there was one particular scene where Charlie, Charlie's person or, or character was running down the hallway to get back to his office. He didn't know that the feds were back there getting ready to bust him, and Hal Holbrook stopped him and. and put his hand on his shoulder and said, if you remember anything, remember this. When a man looks at the abyss, the abyss looks back at you. And <laughs> I took all of that. It's a, it's a quote from Friedrich Nietzsche, the uh, mm -hmm. German philosopher. And I took all of that to heart and thought that, hey, we're, we're talking about conscience here. We're talking about conscience here. And so I've used the abyss and still do as a as a uh, a portal he everybody has their own abyss and how they activate it and and make it work and and explore uh their own conscience or ultimately getting getting uh into your own soul that's and, my and abyss I, I think sometimes when people go through painful experiences it creates a transformation or you can potentially use that to create a transformation in your life. And to be honest, in my, my journey here, as you said, you know, I've been trying to focus on making a difference. When I was very young, I got married and I ended up in a divorce and not something that I expected to happen. And then my whole world changed and I asked myself, what's my purpose? And I thought maybe it's, you know, I, and from a spiritual place, maybe I, I went in and I prayed and I discovered that 
my purpose is to serve kids. So everything that I do, I come back to that that moment when I sat down and go, you know, when I became an elementary teacher, I just loved kids. And that was the reason why I ended up going for a doctorate. And then it was actually a sad moment to leave uh, the classroom. Uh, the only the promise I made is if I leave the classroom is to make a difference for more kids and in lives of teachers. And I've just been privileged uh, in my career to work with hundreds of teachers around the country and had the privilege of being in many different states and seeing that everybody works hard and they struggle and how can I make their life a little bit easier? Mm-hmm. How how can I make you know, I have my own kid, you know, how can I make make my kid um you know, learn learn better or how do I help others? So I think that's the driving force for writing this book and and really wanting to make a difference. Well, I think you have, uh, and you're probably on your way to uh, many more uh, 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 books for uh, for what you do and for, for the class of people that uh, you do it for. Well, you know, I would like any of the listeners, if you if you want help or you you know have questions or anything in terms of uh, improving math instruction, please reach out. Because, like I said, my larger mission is to help as many people um, as, as I can. So um, you can find me. My name is Teruni Lamberg at um, University of Nevada, Reno. If you kind of Google me, you can find my uh, email address there. But, yeah, I, I have this genuine desire to do research that actually makes a difference in people's lives. Well, um I think so. I think so. I've uh, been, I've been surrounded, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> I've been surrounded by, by, by math whizzes. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have twin sons that, uh, my wow. God, they turned, they turned 50 this year. Oh my. <laughs> and, and they, um, they, they're, they're both uh, CFAs. Wow. Um, I have a son-in-law who's a CFA. Um, my other youngest son is, uh, he, he got his PhD in chemistry. So, you know, he was full of math. <laughs> well, um, he did something right. <laughs> uh, with, with my own experience was trying to graduate with the right classes and things and they said well there's one thing you've forgotten you've forgotten about and i said what's that and he said well you haven't taken any mathematics <laughs> and i said well i had all that stuff and whatever and, and they said oh well still you got to do all this, this other and so there i was in my in my in summer school in my senior year um i was taking two calculus classes or yeah so but i, I enjoyed it terrifically it was it was amazing it was uh kind of like the the light came on in a sense uh, uh-huh. and, and it was fun well i think one of the things uh, <laughs> i do like in my first um, week of classes i show two contrasting videos and one where uh, the teacher is working so hard and the kids are all tuned out and then the other one 
the teacher is not working hard, but the kids are doing all the work, and they're actually having fun. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that that was where the title came from. Which one would you rather be? Would you rather work smarter and ha- not harder? <laughs> so usually that was like the joke in class. <laughs> uh-huh. Easy choice now. Easy choice. <laughs> it's an easy choice. To work smarter, you can get results. And the, now is there... and the... no, you go ahead. I'm sorry. And the key is... Uh, it doesn't matter whatever you're learning, it's connecting to what you already know and extending that new information. So it's kind of like learning so that information can transfer, Mm -hmm. so that this information is helpful for anybody who's trying to learn anything new. That's the wow factor. Yes. And uh, you were talking about some websites. Do you have a particular website you'd like to direct people to? Yes. uh, There's a map discussions with the s dot wordpress dot com that has a lot of resources for math teaching and you can look at my work which also has some resources and links to research in nevada math project dot com so it's nevada math project dot com well dr lamberg i want to thank you for uh, for being our guest today and, well, thank um, you for this honor. Well, everybody gets a chance to see how mathemati- mathematicians have a sense of humor. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank my listeners for tuning in to the show, Searching for Integrity. So long and happy trails to all. <laughs>